everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm not here today with my co-host, Chris Weigel. Chris has the weekend off, but I'm very excited to introduce you to my special guest, practicing psychiatrist, Dr. Michael Lyles. In just a moment, I'll give you his bio, but I just want to say, as I say every weekend, we're here doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Michael Lyles. He is a graduate of the University of Michigan, and let's just do a shout out to Go Blue, right? Go Blue. Now we're, you know, we're being heard a lot in Minnesota, so we're probably not going to have too many fans by saying that. <laughs> he also went to Duke University Medical Center for his residency. He's a practicing psychiatrist, as I mentioned, in Atlanta, and he is a consultant to a variety of community organizations and has presented to over 30,000 Yes, I said 30,000 physicians, psychologists, and pastors. He's board certified in adult psychiatry by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. His major area of clinical activity is mood disorders. He's published over 100 publications and videos on psychiatric topics. He's just an all-around great speaker, very knowledgeable, really great to have. And what I love about Dr. Lyles is he comes at all of this from a Christian worldview. So welcome, Dr. Lyles. Happy to be here. I know. It's really great. People will enjoy spending the half hour with you. And we're going to talk about a subject that we hear about a lot, and that is bipolar disorder. Now, when people hear that term, it's become somewhat of a household term. Sometimes people will say, you know, oh, you're acting bipolar. So we hear it in that kind of common vernacular. But I think it's a really misunderstood term. So explain to us as we begin the show what bipolar disorder really is all about. Bipolar disorder refers to a spectrum of problems uh, that can relate to something that's very severe to something that's very mild. And it's characterized by mood swings or fluctuations most of which is depression. People go into severe depressions and can have periods where they fluctuate into feeling very up, full of energy, very elated, not needing sleep, having impulse control problems, driving fast, walking fast, talking fast. And these periods can become very severe or it can be very mild, but very disruptive most of the time to their work, their life, and sometimes their health when they do things that's impulsive and uh, not in their best interest. So when people hear that term you were describing, like a mania, so some people have heard that term, what does that look like? If you're by somebody and suddenly you're thinking, could this be mania, what are you actually seeing? If you're around somebody that has mania, you will know it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not something that's hard to perceive. Okay, so what would you see? (laughs) You would see someone who's very up, very hyper. You're going to think they're on drugs, Okay. that they've done cocaine or speed or something because they're hyped up, they're talking fast, they're walking fast, uh, they're grandiose, they they think they're the smartest person in the world, the most gifted person in the world. They don't have any recollection, any self-appraisal of the fact that that's inappropriate. They drive fast, they have more sex drive, and they can be very impulsive and do things they're not qualified to do at all. I once had a patient that was a janitor in a school that took his heat pump apart because he thought that God had given him the ability to do heating and electrical work now when he was manic, when, of course, that had not happened. And so we hear stories all the time of people who go and they just spend a whole bunch of money that they don't have and get in terrible debt. Yes, impulsive spending, spending sprees. Mm -hmm. One of my patients who got put on an antidepressant by her primary care doctor that switched her into a manic episode was a high-end real estate agent who went to the mall back when they had a lot of stores at the mall mm-hmm. and bought $3,000 worth of red dresses at JCPenney's oh, in wow. a size four. 
she wore a size 12. Oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, the definition of grandiosity is she thought she could lose the weight down to a four. And that $3,000 of red dresses from J.C. Penney's is a lot of dresses. Yeah, and so when people are in that state, are they aware of what they're doing? No. Okay, so no, they, do they have of memory of that when they get out of that manic state, when they get sometimes some help? Sometimes they do, uh, sometimes they don't, because some people can become so bad that they become psychotic. And thank goodness they don't remember everything they did. Yeah, because there would be a lot of embarrassment, probably. Embarrassment, trauma, pain, it was, it's bad. So... Is this the kind of thing that sometimes gets mistaken for other things? It's mistaken for psychosis. It's, as most of the time, bipolar people are mistaken for depression. There's one study uh, looking at folks with the severe, the type 1 bipolar disorder. Uh, they were symptomatic 48% of the time, 52% of the time they were normal. Okay. And if you look at the time when they were symptomatic, only really about 20% of the time were they manic. And the rest of the time they were dealing with some version of depression. So that the most common symptom you see in bipolar disorder is severe, unrelenting depression that does not respond to antidepressants. In fact, antidepressants can make it worse. Okay, and that's a, that was the point that you were making just a moment ago. When people are trying to deal with their family members or their friends or their relatives that are kind of struggling with this, so is it part of the time where people will look at it and say, oh, this person just has depression because of those periods of where they're not having problems and they're not acting in a strange way, and yes. so they get misdiagnosed? Yes. One study showed that one out of five people with bipolar disorder were diagnosed appropriately in a timely fashion. Four out of five took up to 10 years to get appropriately diagnosed. Okay, so how is it really different than from just what we would call clinical depression, what some people say a major depression? With major depression, you don't have the manic episodes or you don't have hypomanic episodes where the person will still have the energy, the impulsivity, uh, the drivenness of mania, but not to that same degree. It doesn't cause as much impairment in the person's life. So you don't have those episodes. You just have plain, unrelenting depression. So on a day-to-day -day basis, if somebody has bipolar disorder and they really don't know it, are there markers on a day-to-day -day basis that you would look at in terms of determining? So if people are thinking about this and they're beginning to think about some of the symptoms you've mentioned and they're thinking, well, I'm not really sure, would they notice certain things like with somebody's job or in their interpersonal relationships or with the way that they deal with their family members, would they see a day-to-day -day change? Well, first of all, anybody that's had severe depression, I mean, really bad depression, going back to puberty, okay. to child, you know, childhood, adolescence, because I have patients that have had it since they were 14, 15 years old. Uh, one would need to think about whether this might be a bipolar depression as opposed to a regular depression. Interspersed with those periods of time of, of depression may be periods of time as little as four days or up to several weeks in which they may be more irritable, maybe more hyper, uh, go days without sleeping, and they don't feel tired the okay. next day. Okay, a lot of us will go days without sleeping, but we're dead the next day. Yeah, These and they stay are, up all night. They're and, just staying and, up all night, and, and they're, they're going, still energized and in the morning. they're going good the next day. Okay. No, no problem at all. Uh, when people are doing this kind of thing, the question needs to be raised as to whether this is just plain depression uh, or is it a, a different type of depression, bipolar depression, that's a part of bipolar disorder.
Okay, so what we're going to do is, is just stick with us. We're going to take a, a short break here in a moment, and we're going to get into, so we're kind of understanding what bipolar disorder is. And then we want to come back after the break and talk about, so what do you do when you have that? And particularly want to talk a little bit about how does faith play into this and the role of medications, because you know, you've been on a lot of these type of shows, you know, that there's always questions that people ask, if I'm a Christian, if I have faith, should I be taking a medication? Right. So stay with us, and we'll be back. Just in a moment after the break. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. You're listening today to a different show. We don't have Chris Weigel with us this week, and I'm sure he'll give me a hard time when he comes back about why he missed such an important conversation. But I've got special guest, Dr. Michael Lyles, who's a practicing psychiatrist in the Atlanta area. So I know that Atlanta isn't one of our listening areas, but everybody can listen to this on the web, Dr. Lyles. So they could just go to the archive. They could listen to the show, and it could be people in your area. I don't know if you need business, but usually after you're on shows like this, he's shaking his head saying, no, no, don't say me any more patients. He's busy, but I've got to tell you, I tell everybody that if I needed a psychiatrist, this would be the person that I'd want to see. So he's got a, just a wealth of knowledge. Um, he's very expert on what he's done. He's got 30 some years of experience working with patients and best of all, he comes at this with a Christian worldview. So I really appreciate that about you. And in the last segment, we're really going to get into that a little bit more, but we spent a little bit of time talking about what bipolar is and maybe what it isn't. Um, in some ways, because it does get mistaken from a lot of different disorders. But we want to talk a little bit about treatment. So when somebody has been diagnosed with bipolar, and um, they really have to make some decisions, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about what causes it, and then what the treatment for that would be? We don't know really definitively what causes bipolar disorder, and sometimes that makes patients upset, but we don't know a lot about what causes a lot of medical problems. Mm Definitively, yeah. we have theories. That doesn't keep us from being able to help people and treat people, thankfully. We think it may have something to do with mitochondria, which are the batteries of nerve cells that give nerve cells energy. We think it may have something to do with what we call second messenger systems, which are the interpreters of the cells that interpret messages that are going from one cell to another. One of my kids is a foreign language teacher and teaches kids how to speak different languages. Second messenger systems teach nerves how to speak the language of other nerves that are speaking to them. Hmm. Uh, it may have something to do with that. There are a lot of theories out there. There's a genetic component to it because it runs in families big time. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we don't fully understand it does not keep us from being able to help people because we've known about this since the 60s, and people have been coming up with treatments since the 60s, the first of which was lithium, 
but since then the, the portfolio of treatments we have for bipolar disorder has become quite extensive. In general, we use medications okay. to try to treat. What we do not do, we do not do, is give people an antidepressant as a single drug treatment for this because it can make it worse. But assuming that we've done a good diagnostic workup, which rules out other things that can be confused with this, like the effects of diseases like uh, lupus, for example, or thyroid problems, or it could be a side effect of a medication like steroids, once you rule out the other medical things or other psychiatric things, for example, it could be something to do with substance abuse. Uh, there was once a Hollywood actor that people always thought was bipolar until they found that he was doing cocaine, uh-huh. a whole uh-huh. suitcase full at a time. Wow. Uh, so substance abuse can be confused with this if someone is using a stimulant that makes them very high for a while and then it wears off and they crashes. That's not bipolar disorder, that's substance abuse. So it looks the same, but it has looks a very different cause. You get that roller coaster mood. Mm-hmm. And it feels the same, looks the same, but it's not the same. And diagnosis is important because it informs treatment plan. Uh, if somebody has a primary substance abuse problem or they're taking opioids and going into withdrawal and going down, well, down and agitated, mm-hmm. down and ag- that's not bipolar disorder, it's uh, opioid addiction. So I, I've heard you speak many times and you said that a lot of times this gets misdiagnosed, that people right. miss the diagnosis a lot. Right. I guess that would be, that's why you're saying it's very important to first understand this. Now, a lot of people listening may say, okay, but I don't want to take medication. I want to take some kind of a natural approach to doing this. And what do you say about that? I've never heard that before in my career. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I always say that when I tell someone I think that they are bipolar, that they have bipolar disorder, they take that as being a noun instead of an adjective, mm. that bipolar means that it's a verdict about who I am as a person, mm. and it's a pejorative thing. You're trying to say you know, that I, I'm this irresponsible person who's sexually out of control, who can't control their money. You're saying all these bad things about my character or about where I am spiritually, and they get offended. Yeah, and then what if they just say, well, I'll just work on controlling that? And I don't want this medication. Can't you just work with me on controlling those manic times? And can't you just work on me in terms of my depression? Is this one of those disorders where you would say you can do it without the medication? That would be akin to somebody with hypertension saying, I don't want to take my medicine. I want to know if I can change my diet and exercise, and will that control it? But the problem is, usually I've already had their stroke by the time they're in front of you. And the people with bipolar disorder that are sitting in front of me have usually already had some bad thing happen to them as a consequence of this, and which is, by definition, evidence that it's not something they can control on their own. Okay, so this is one of those mental health disorders where taking the medication is really important. Absolutely. Okay. And, and as we, we're going to talk about this in the next segment, what that means in terms of being a person of faith, but this is not one where there's a lot of other ways you can deal with it besides taking the medication. Now, one of the things I hear people say that are bipolar is, but I like that high feeling. I like it when I get into a manic state, I actually get a lot done. I get my house cleaned. I maybe have taken an assignment that I've had trouble with and I've gotten it done. So I really don't want to get rid of that high feeling. 
Well, I'm going to take issue with something you said. Okay. I'm going to call you out on Uh-oh. your own call show. Call me out. Call you me said out. people who are bipolar. I always tell my patients people who have bipolar. Have bipolar. Okay. Because they are not. They are not their are, disorder. They are not their disorder. <laughs> gotcha. They are somebody's spouse, somebody's pa- uh, parent, somebody's child. And bipolar is an adjective. There you go. I just missed it. So see, maybe I did that on purpose so that the audience could understand that better. <laughs> yeah. I, I, at least You're once, not going to give it to me. At least once a week, I say it's not a noun. Yeah. It's yeah. an adjective. <laughs> so it's really good because what we're saying is you don't define yourself you by do not define yourself the men- it would be this. like saying you're diabetic and you just go around saying, hi, I'm the diabetic. Oh, and put it on a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So now, now what was your question? So I, wanted, so I wanted to ask because one of the things I've heard from patients when they come in is I like that feeling. Yeah. And when yeah. I take the medication, I lose that kind of fun, manic feeling where maybe sometimes I get a lot accomplished. Oh, I've heard that so much. And when patients tell me that, I say, okay, let's look at the whole story. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are periods of time where you feel like you know, you're on top of the world and everything's wonderful. But let's talk about the things that happen while you're feeling good, about how you spent all of your money or got into relationships where your heart was broken or left you with some sexually transmitted disease mm-hmm. as a souvenir of a bad relationship. Yeah. The speeding tickets and the lawyer fees you've run up, uh, the credit report, they don't even print your report anymore because the numbers don't go that low. <laughs> okay. You know, there's a flip side to that. There's a price that's paid for that, a tremendous tax that's paid that, in my opinion, outweighs any brief period of feeling good. And really, what we really need to find out is what you're like when all of that is gone. Mm -hmm. Who's the real Mm -hmm. you? Because this person that's doing the mania and depression is not the real you. you. And at some point in your life, we have to find out who's your, your children, your spouse. They need to know who the real person is. And you need to be able to look in the mirror and know who the real person is. So it's really helpful if family members or supportive people in the person's life really encourages them to stay on that medication because of all these things that happen that are not good when they don't take the medication. They need more than medication, by the way. They need to be in counseling and some sort of therapy. And they need to, the support of their church, we're going to talk to, about in the next segment. Yeah, I just want to get at this thing, though, Dr. Lyles, where people in the church and when we're people of faith, we just seem to have this negative idea that somehow if I take the medicine, I'm not exercising faith or I'm not, I'm saying, here's the one yeah. I hear all the time. Yeah. I just need to trust God more. And I'm not trusting God if I take this medicine. Prior to a year ago, I had a whole speech that I would give to that. Now I have one that's very short Uh-oh. and succinct. <laughs> okay, what okay? is that? <laughs> a year ago, I got diagnosed with prostate cancer. The doctor offered me an option of, chem- of uh, surgery, chemotherapy, or radiation. When I told my friends about that, nobody said, if you had faith in Jesus, mm. you wouldn't have to do any of those. Mm-hmm. Why are you? I thought you were a Christian. Why are you even thinking about doing that? That's true. Okay. Medically speaking, bipolar disorder is not that different. It's a very defined medical problem for which there's a, an arena of treatments that a person either, they either take the treatment or they suffer the consequences of the disease. So that's good. So we're going to take another short break really quickly. We're going to go to a break and come back because we really want to talk about what's the role of the church in this. Mm-hmm. Were there biblical people who struggled maybe with uh, bipolar disorder? Of course, they didn't have that term in Jesus's day. They weren't. It isn't in the Bible from what I can see. But let's come back and talk a little bit about that. More with Dr. Michael Lyles on bipolar depression in a moment. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. 
Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz, too, and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. Are you a mom or a dad trying to do your best to raise a healthy weight child in an unhealthy eating culture? Do you often struggle with how to respond when your child asks if she is fat or if he needs to lose weight? Do you wonder, what is normal, and how do I best impact my child and his or her eating habits? Well, hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mental, and my book, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, teaches parents how to raise healthy kids in an overscheduled, fast food, video game world by making simple choices, easy changes, and instilling good habits that will improve everyone's life today and forever. Winner of the Mom's Choice Award, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, will give you this confidence, the confidence you need to take charge of your child's eating and raise a healthy weight child. Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World. Available on Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. And available online where books are sold. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and I'm very happy to have Dr. Michael Lyles here, who is a practicing psychiatrist, if you've just joined us. He's written for Christianity Today. He has chapters and books, and he's just an expert on the area of bipolar uh, disorder and a lot of other topics in the area of mental health, but we happen to be talking about bipolar today. Before the break, we were talking about the importance with this particular mental health disorder because of the neurobiology that's involved to have to have medication for this one to really prevent further episodes from happening. So you wanted to make a point of saying it's more than just medication. So talk a little bit about the treatment as well. The goal of treatment is for the person to find out who they really are and not the person who's symptomatic one way or another. As that person begins to settle down and find their new normal, Mm -hmm. they have to come to grips with things that they've done or experienced that were not part of who they really were, that were out of character for them that other people may have expectations of them acting that way when that's not really who they are. These people need counseling, they need therapy, and they need support uh, a lot from their church because self-esteem becomes a major issue when you start to deal with mistakes you've made. Everybody has made a mistake Mm -hmm. in your life. And for many people with bipolar disorder, the types of problems that they've gotten themselves into trouble to are magnitudes more than what most people have done. Therefore, they need a lot of help, a lot of support. So the the stigma of this. So, you know, you have a disorder and you don't even understand really what that disorder is. It's kind of like what you were saying. If you announce to somebody, I've just been diagnosed with diabetes, people aren't going to think much of it. They're going to think, okay, well, you know what to do. But if you're diagnosed with something like bipolar and you really haven't understood, you know, much about it, and the people around you don't understand much about it, should people say something about what they're struggling with, at least to those people who are intimate with them and in their family systems? They should only talk to people who I call safe people. Okay. This is my rule of thumb with all my patients. Okay. If you're at home in the bed so depressed that you could not cook a meal or take a shower, and you had a friend that would come over, cook your food, cut your grass, buy your groceries, throw you in the shower, do your hair, then that person deserves to know. But if they don't have any skin in the game, they don't necessarily need to know. If they really care and want to be part of the solution, tell that person, if you can trust that person. So do you see any biblical characters in the Bible who look like they could have maybe fit this whole idea of bipolar disorder? Uh, Maybe King Saul. 
Uh, when you think about how his behavior changed and flow. In fact, David didn't know who he was dealing with from time to time. I have patients who have spouses that open the door and stick their head in first before they come in to make sure nothing's <laughs> being <work>. thrown. <laughs> and David was a little bit like that with yeah. Saul because yeah. sometimes he'd want to listen to the music and sometimes he'd throw a spear at him. That's true. <laughs> okay? That's true. I've heard some people say some of the prophets acted very strangely and that they wondered if maybe that was part of it too. But I, ho- I would hope that that was the Holy Spirit in them promoting them to uh, behave a certain way in terms of giving the message to the well, people. But see, but see, Saul actually had periods of depression. That's why he would want David that's to play true. music. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it wasn't just crazy behavior. Yeah, but yeah. Period, and that's what you get with bipolar disorder. You get both. You get both. And that's not that common. In okay. The Bible. This isn't something I ever hear discussed in the church. This isn't something that, you know, even in prayer groups, uh, and maybe because it's not a safe place to really talk about what's going on with you. But is there a role for faith in this? I think it's a discipleship issue. Okay. I'll talk church talk. When someone is coming to grips with rebuilding their lives after a major medical illness like this, it's not that different than someone who's had major surgery for cancer. Mm. Uh, There's a major rebuilding of the way they live on a day-to-day basis that has to occur. And this is when your faith is supposed to be helpful to you. This is where the rubber meets the road in terms of helping you to rebuild and reorient and restyle your life, not just what you do, but how you think about yourself. If you go to a church where if somebody said that they had problems with depression or bipolar, if folks are going to turn and run from them mm-hmm. like the house is on mm-hmm. fire, then you need to take a look at your church. Because in the Bible, when people said things like, I'm in need, Jesus ran towards them, not away from That's them. That's true. Why is it in the church that we don't want to talk about these things? We don't want to acknowledge the fact that there are mental health problems in the church. Because after all, it's not in the Bible anything about bipolar disorder or about psychiatric medications. So how do we know these things are valid? Prostate cancer wasn't in the Bible, nor is diabetes or hypertension. But the concept yeah. of taking medicine for a perceived medical problem is in the Bible because Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for his stomach. And it wasn't so that Timothy would get a little buzz. Right. It was because alcohol was an anesthetic that would help with an upset stomach. It's just a hard problem for people in the church to address. And I think if there's anything we could do in the church, do you have any ideas of what family members, friends, people in the church could do to try to destigmatize the whole area of mental health? Well, I think it's an issue of, is your church a place where you can deal with pain? Yeah. People who've been traumatized. We're talking about mental illness here. Uh, some churches, you can't talk about being divorced. Some churches, you can't talk about a kid that's on opioids. Right. Some churches, you can't talk about the fact that you had an affair and that you, you're trying to build your marriage back up afterwards. Is it a place that's safe and where you can be real and transparent about what's going on and available to the work of the Holy Spirit to make you better? People get better in a community of faith, not on their own. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you said that last part because I'm thinking that so much of what has happened, the church has become a place where people go. There's a certain element of I sit passively, I listen to the pastor, I do some great worship music, and then I go home. Yes. And it hasn't become, in some ways, that place of community for people where we're actually spending time with each other. Because Mm -hmm. it takes time to sit, get in relationships with people in your church and to build that relationship to the point where there is some kind of trust and there is some safety. And you can begin then to talk about the broken parts of your life, whether it's mental health or it's some other part of your life that you're really struggling with. Yeah, because this is just a, a piece of a larger issue of whether we're relating to each other properly within churches. And you can't do that by watching church online. Well, okay, so thank you for that, because that's concerning to us that we think of a lot of millennials who say, I get it, I just watch it online, but they're not getting the kind of community that we're talking about. Right. 
we could go on and on on a topic like this. There's just so much around mental health, but we got to stop because we're out of time. Keep listening because Dr. Lyles will be back on another program. There's so many places I could tap into his wisdom and knowledge. So thank you so much for being here today. This is all the time that we have for today. A big thank you to Dr. Michael Lyles for his wisdom and his help in talking with us about bipolar disorder. And many thanks to our social media director and producer, Norm Mintel, from all of us here at Faith Radio. We'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.